My name is Ari Stein, and this is the 52 Insights Podcast. This week, I'm incredibly excited to be talking to someone who I've admired from afar from a really long time, the Academy Award-winning documentarian, Brian Fogel. His first documentary, Icarus, released in 2017, literally sent shockwaves through the world of sports and politics, its repercussions still being felt today. The film was an almost unbelievable investigation into one of the most elaborate doping scandals in sports history at the hands of the Russian government. So powerful was this movie that it recently caused a new act to be passed into US Congress called the Rachenkov Act. Fogel does not shy away from complex subject matter. How he gets to the heart of these complex stories and access to these insiders is extraordinary. In this interview, he told me that he had no time to reflect on his personal safety. It is of no concern to him. His real talents lay in bringing to life these complex stories on film for many of us to clearly understand. These films read more like Greek tragedies rather than documentaries, at times too bizarre to believe, but all the more real. His follow-up, The Dissident, has not disappointed. Making waves across the world, this is a riveting account and at times heartbreaking examination into the gruesome killing of the Washington Post Saudi Arabian journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Condemned by governments at the time across the world, to date it remains one of the most bizarre and dangerous assassinations of a journalist in recent memory. Brian spent two years of his life putting this film together and when he shopped it around, nor Netflix or Amazon would touch it. That is how sensitive this film is. But for me, this is a movie less about the gruesome murder of a revered journalist, but a message to the future. That the encroachment of democratic rights, engineering of social media and free speech censure is a toxic cocktail, which if we are not careful, can be mirrored in other societies if we let our guard down. There are some enormous questions laid bare here for us to think about in this movie, and I try and put some of them to Brian. Right now, let's take a listen to the trailer of the forthcoming movie by Brian Fogel, The Dissident. My name is Hatice Cengiz. I am addressing you as a victim. A title forced on me after the brutal murder of my Jamal. Jamal Khashoggi, prominent Saudi journalist and Washington Post columnist, has gone missing after visiting his country's consulate in Istanbul. He was last seen entering Saudi Arabia's consulate seeking paperwork to marry his fiancée. His fiancée saw him go in at 1pm and was still waiting for him at 1am. Saudi Arabia now suddenly is admitting that Hashoggi did die inside that building. Jamal Khashoggi alelade bir şekilde öldürülmemiştir. The government treated me as if I shot the king. We knew that they would try to sweep the whole thing under the rug. Is it true that Turkish intelligence obtained audio recordings of Khashoggi's murder? I know why Jamal was killed. It's because of me. Birileri tüm olup biteni rahatlıkla seyretmiş, hatta talimatlar vermiş olabilir. 
save some particularly damning piece of the puzzle, like Saudi body double. Jamal felt the whole country was against him, but this is not the truth. I said the best solution is create our own army. The king firmly denies any knowledge of it. It could have been rogue killers, who knows? I just received this. Be careful, move from city to another one, and there's a team is going to kill you soon. It's anonymous. He has to be killed in a way that will send message to everyone else. Because if you kill Jamal with his status, who else you cannot kill? You can kill everyone. I warrant Jamal. Once you start working with us, you're not just a journalist, you're a dissident. What do you know about the beast? Brian, thank you so much for joining me on the 52 Insights podcast. I guess the first question I wanted to kind of throw at you is, what drew you to this story um, of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? I guess for many of us, it's a bizarre story. Do, do, do you remember when you first kind of found out about his murder? I, mean, I, I imagine you had a, a, a really visceral reaction to it as, as a filmmaker. I mean, it, it literally, you know, in those, um, the days that, the murder was unfolding uh, in the global press starting, you know, October 3rd to the Saudi admission that he had in fact uh, uh, been murdered um, on October uh, 16th. You know, I was following the story. I was, uh, I was enraptured uh, by it, disgusted. Um, and I think uh, the way that the story unfolded in the media, which was, you know, kind of drip by drip, detail by detail, it was, you know, opening up the newspaper every day or whatever, you know, refreshing your, your phone. And, and there was a little bit more information and there was a little bit more information. And, um, um, and the fact that he was a Washington Post journalist um, and that this had happened, um, you know, really hit a chord with me. And I had been looking, uh, actively seeking um, kind of, um, what that next project for myself was going to be. And this immediately started to check all the boxes. And then there was the story of Omar Abdelaziz uh, that uh, had been written about in the New York Times um, with Omar going, hey, uh, you know, I, I think I know why they killed Jamal. And then, of course, the story of Hatija Jengas. Um, and uh, I set out, and this was literally uh, middle of October, um, on uh, what became kind of the next four months of investigative uh, work, uh, relationship building, trust building, um, uh, making contacts um, to figure out whether or not I could effectively tell this story because I had set out a, a checkbox in my mind. and. And without the uh, the participation of Hatiza Jengas, um, without um, the uh, participation of Omar Abdelaziz, and 
the participation of a Turkish government, at least in my mind, I wasn't going to make that movie. I uh, wasn't going to make the movie. And, uh, and that was kind of the next step in the process for me, um, build the trust needed uh, to get all of them to participate in the film. Yeah, I mean, for me, this film felt very, you know, it, was, it really resonated with me, obviously, as a journalist and journalists around the world. But, you know, it's a profoundly tragic story. But this film felt bigger than the story about Jamal Khashoggi for me in Saudi Arabia. For me, your film felt like a message to the future and a warning to all governments on the, you know, manipulation of technology for nefarious purposes, the moral dilemma behind big tech that we're seeing play out, the encroachment of democratic rights, the concerns and priorities of unscrupulous nations. You know, Saudi Arabia is not the only one here, China, Russia. Um, would, would you agree with, with, with um, what I'm presenting there? You know, uh, you know, absolutely. Um, I do agree with that. Um, you know, for me, um, the the story and why I was actually interested in really telling this is I saw okay, there's the murder of Jamal and and the vast majority of people that uh, know this story they don't know kind of the details around it. They don't, they just go, okay, somebody, journalist walks into a consulate um, and is murdered. Uh, outside of those headlines, nobody understands uh, what was the story behind this. And the story behind this is truly a, a, a warning story. I mean, it it is showing, um, you know, uh, how money and this sort of money and power uh, can subvert justice. Uh, it's showing uh, the pervasiveness of, you know, the cyber hacking tools uh, and the danger uh, that they, uh, you know, that that is out there um, in the wrong hands. Um, and it's showing the, uh, the complicity uh, of governments and businesses uh, to allow crimes like this to happen uh, so long as it doesn't, you know, uh, mess with their bottom line or impact whether or not they can take investment or make investment. And in the case of this story, you know, all of those elements are there. And, and it was uh, a very um, uh, purposeful choice uh, for myself and uh, my editing team and creative team to craft the film to feel like, like a big feature thriller uh, in the hopes that it would, you know, engage an audience, put people on the edge of their seat and ultimately, you know, care about what was being presented uh, in the film and, and in the story. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think what concerns me most just watching this film is the decision-making process of nation states today. I mean, it infuriated me that a lot of countries stand back, including Amazon, I classify them as a, na as a nation state, um, that they decide not to act um, and what they decide to act on. And where is the threshold for that decision? They obviously can't act on everything because the stakes are so high at the moment. Um, and it just it just makes me think about, you know, are there covert wars happening that we don't know about? I mean, um, you know, I'm thinking about 1,000 Russian engineers that we just found out that was behind the SolarWinds attack. So, yes, in the film it says people are sitting by as journalists are unceremoniously dismembered, 
But do you think there's something bigger going on between nation states that we don't know about? I, 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 I don't believe in the, you know, the just the, the, um, and I'm trying to put this in the right way. They kind of be, you know, psyops, whatever conspiracy theories in in that regard. Um, but I believe what is going on is, you know, Saudi Arabia is the largest weapons purchaser in the world. Um, and they purchase those weapons from the United States, from the UK, uh, from Germany, from France, the, um, you know, and, and, and many other countries. Um, they have uh, perhaps the most liquidity of any country in the world to uh, invest and to make ma major cash investments um, into businesses, into companies, into enterprises, right? Um, and at the same time, uh, they are also uh, granting, you know, massive contracts to companies that want to invest in Saudi Arabia, whether that's, you know, Amazon's, you know, cloud server deal or the acquisition of uh, Souk by Amazon to, you know, basically have an Amazon in Saudi Arabia uh, or Netflix going into that, that uh that country and you know the growth of subscribers. So I think you know you 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 have so many complicating issues there. Uh, plus their their position in the Middle East is being considered, you know, a key ally to the United States alongside of Israel. Um, and uh, and I think all of this complicates um, the human rights abuses going on there in regards to uh, taking action um, and. Um, and, you know, in this case, I think, you know, money uh, and this sort of money um, that is in stake, uh, you know, uh, allows um, poor decision making to happen uh, at the tops of these companies or, you know, presidents, leaders, etc. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm noticing that it's more profit over impact, but, you know, that's that's nothing new. Um, you know that 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 will continue to go on. I, I'm I'm curious to know. I was waiting for the end of the film, and it didn't say the usual line at the end of a documentary is, "We tried to reach out to the Saudi government for comment, and they refused our, um, you know, our calls." Did you? Did was that? Was there an attempt to get their side of the story at all? Because I didn't see, it unless I missed it. Uh, what side of the story? Is that exactly? I mean, I, I, I not only did I have zero interest in that, uh, I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put an interview from them in, into this film uh, for any cost. It is completely uh, irrelevant uh, and superfluous uh, uh, to this story. And to be quite frank, I don't really have any interest in speaking or interviewing murderers. So uh, that was completely uh, something that I had zero interest in doing uh, and purposefully uh, did not put in the film. Saudis speak for themselves. You have a clip of MBS denying it. You have the chief prosecutor uh, in the film going, this is Saudi business, you leave us alone. And then we literally have them on camera having the audacity to walk out at the UN Human Rights Council as the teacher Genghis speaks. They've already said exactly what it is. So to give any more voice uh, to their lies and their cover-up, uh, to me, is really not uh, kind of the film that I was seeking to make.
I remember um, speaking to the political uh, journalist, I'm sure you know her, Masha Gessen. I know Masha. And um, I interviewed her and I, and I asked her, this question and answer stayed with me for a long time, and I said to her, um, you know, your work around Putin and, and, and Russia seems, you know, um, it's dangerous. And I said to her, do you ever worry for your life? And, her, and I remember her answer very clearly was, um, no comment. I, I can't comment on that. I'm wondering, like, for your own purposes, we, you know, we live in such a politically sensitive world, how do you feel about the impact that your films are having? They're incredible films. They need to be made. They have real-world implications. I'm thinking of Icarus and the Olympics and the act that was passed, I can't remember the name, and um, Saudi Arabia and the West, and now look at the, the brouhaha that's happening around that, and I think your film probably contributed to that as well. Would I be right in saying that you're considered a troublemaker by some of those in power that that you've um, made films about? And how does that sit with you? You know, I'm always asked this question. It's a it's a question that I'm asked over and over again uh, when I do uh, press or interviews, or back in the day when people would come into a theater and you could do a screening, um, and. It, I, I don't, I just don't spend any time thinking about it. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I've made a decision to uh, create content like this, to pursue content like this, to tell stories like this. Um, and, uh, and I also believe that, um, uh, that as a journalist and as a filmmaker, um, that, uh, and freedom of press and freedom of speech, and and I would hope uh, that I'm safe. I'm aware that a lot of the events in this film were preceded by the revolution, which we call the Arab Spring, and I, I'm aware that there was the, the the air of that throughout the film. And I was thinking about you know Omar, Omar Abdul Aziz, you know, using social media to that similar effect, trying to raise the conscious in Saudi Arabia among his cohorts and, and, and the youth. And there was a line in the film which I thought was brilliant, which was, you know, Twitter became the parliament of the, of the Arabs. So is, what is your um, opinion about how Twitter became so powerful and um, he, that, that he was trying to reprise parts of the Arab Spring? Well, I mean, I think, I think we get into great detail uh, on that in, in the film which is um, social media has the power uh, to change public opinion uh, and to uh, suppress truth. I mean, if you look at what happened in the Arab Spring, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty self-evident uh, that that entire mo movement took place and began on Twitter. Um, so the idea that a nation state um, figures out a way to basically control Twitter um, is, uh, is, is shocking, but it's also, uh, it also makes a lot of uh, sense if you're an authoritarian uh, leader uh, wanting to suppress freedom of thought and freedom of opinion. Um, and it's why, um, you know, we, it was one of the, the real key uh, parts of this story and why we really took some time to, uh, to focus on that.
Yeah, and I guess what I really struggle with personally, because I work in tech as well, is seeing these discussions playing out, these kind of CEOs, you know, act as agnostic, um, you know, businessmen. What, what, how do we move forward? Because I'm, I'm aware that Twitter can be used to suppress speech, as you said, but also encourage it, be used for great purposes as well as virtuous purposes. I don't have an answer. I don't know what we do here. How do we move these platforms forward so that, you know, it can work in a democracy? I don't really have a, uh, an answer for that. I, uh, I don't, not at all. I think that, um, you know, uh, the, the issue comes and, you know, Twitter is experiencing this, you know, uh, uh, on a daily basis, um, which is, okay, they want their platform to not have a large barrier uh, for entry. They want people to be able to use, use the platform, go on the platform, um, create an, an account, create a, 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 you know, use, a, use an anonymous name if they need to, whatever needs to be done uh, to basically have, um, you know, freedom of, freedom of speech, freedom of press. And at the same time, that allows for abuse of the platform. Um, you know, Twitter obviously, you know, dealt with this for four years under President Trump going, okay, these, these are lies, this isn't true. Um, he's uh, creating chaos. And at the same time, um, they are going, well, but if we lock this account, well, what do we do with that account? What do we, and so none of these problems are gonna go away. None of these issues are gonna go away. And I don't think uh, that this is really going to change in this day and age uh, of social media. And if you shut down one platform, then another one pops up. Um, and a lot of times when that happens, then it just spawns more conspiracy theories, um, takeovers. So I think they're working on it to extent. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't see uh, any easy solution there. What do you think Saudi Arabia as uh, another moral quandary, what, what do you think they hope to do by suppressing their people the way in in the way that you showed in the film? Regime will feel like that never succeeds ever. I don't. I can't. Well, listen, it's never. It, it doesn't succeed, and and it never has succeeded. However, um, in in some ways, um, it 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 works, um, and that. Uh, the more difficult you make it for people, you know, to express themselves um, and the higher the stakes become, right? Um, you know, more and more people remain silent. Um, and I think that, that if you're Jamal Khashoggi, which was what was happening to him, where, you know, he sends out a tweet, suddenly it's, it's buried and other journalists and other writers arrested for sending out a tweet. Um, those fear tactics work. Or, you know, you call in somebody's family and basically say, hey, uh, you gotta stop, you gotta stop writing, you gotta stop tweeting. Um, if they don't, we're gonna, we're gonna put you in jail. We're gonna, we're gonna hurt you. Those countries implode, it just dumbfounds me that they can think that eventually, you know, they can run a country operating in that way. I'm thinking of North Korea, I'm thinking of the Soviet Union, I'm thinking, you know, so it just dumbfounds me. Well, look, they eventually 
implode usually in time, in history, over time, over, you know, uh, over history. But where these tactics come from, uh, come from fear. Because if you look at the Arab Spring in 2013, um, what, what you see is the power of the people to actually make true change, to essentially have a revolution. And in the case of Saudi Arabia, where you're a monarchy, where you're an authoritarian regime, there's, you know, it, it, the idea that you're going to share power um, and also the concept that at any minute the people can rise up, right, um, and take you out of power, um, I think is a, is a very real reality for these, you know, dictators, uh, for, these, for these autocrats. And so they are in the how do we protect power business, and they'll go to all means necessary to do that. And if they have essentially the power of the military behind them and they have the money behind them, I think, and look, we've seen the same thing in China too. They just, they don't care. They'll, they'll, take, those, they'll take those risks uh, because never have they been a democracy and they don't operate as a democracy. Where do we go from here? Because, you know, I'm aware that there's that um, Davos in the desert conference that they have, and it, optically it looked like people left um, and then they returned this year. Um, you know, it's clear the business world want to do business with Saudi Arabia. They have a lot to offer. they got money and, you know, there's opportunity there. And like we said before, the, the moral thing, the moral problem doesn't really play into it. So the, the Davos and the desert thing is quite an interesting one. What, what happens now? Do you think the business world just resumes as normal? Or people are trying to sweep things under the carpet as much as they can. I think that it is um, the same as it always is, same as it ever was, which is, you know, uh, money, money and power. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, take place over, uh, take precedent over, uh, over human rights. And if you're these big banks and you're these big companies, and the uh, they want to do business there uh, because there's a lot of money at stake uh, and a lot of money to be had. Um, and uh, I, I don't see that. I don't see that changing. Uh, there's a big uh, intelligence report, uh, uh, you know, uh, releasing today um, on the Khashoggi murder, and um, you know, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see uh, what comes of that um, as this case um, reemerges uh, back into the uh, public zeitgeist. So what, what, what do you hope comes from that report? Essentially, you know, Trump didn't give a shit. It was very clear solicitation of arms is going on, oil and the like. But does a new page now turn with Biden and this report being released and the release of your film? You know, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think that this, uh, that what is going to come forward today uh, will be uh, the hard 
evidence. Uh, you know, I think I think we're going to find out. Uh, you know, next couple of days, what what what's going to be done about this? And uh, you know, this is the this release uh, of findings um, is pretty pretty substantial um, as it's going to uh, confirm. Uh, the intelligence findings, at least of what they're saying, uh, that uh, that he in fact ordered ordered this murder uh, beyond any you know question uh, or reason to doubt. What what can happen to MSB? Like I've been reading around that really nothing. You know, I would love like you know a, a Magnitsky Act style. Thing to be passed on foreign soil, but internally, what 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 is your prediction of how this will play out? If you have a prediction of what could happen, well, I don't. I don't really. Uh, I'm not in the prediction uh, business, but I do believe that this is going to. Uh, you know, I believe that Biden is doing this um, because uh, Congress, uh, both the House of Representatives and Senate. Um, have expressed support uh, behind re-examining uh, the U.S. relationship, um, and uh, and I think that that the release of this report um, is uh, is is a key to that, um, and uh, and I think that as he's coming into uh, his presidency, he is wanting to show very clearly uh, that he is going to take. Uh, a very different uh, approach uh, to Saudi Arabia than the Trump administration did, and that he is not going to uh, spend his administration's energy um, continuing to cover up uh, for, you know, uh, for Mohammed bin Salman and their human rights abuses. So this is a, a very interesting uh, uh, moment here, and uh, I guess it just uh, it remains uh, it remains to be seen uh, what's going to come of this. But I think what we are seeing um, already is you know is that Biden is going hey uh, there's a new sheriff in town and you're not gonna you're not gonna cut up uh, you know Washington Post journalists in your consulate. Uh, and think that I'm going to lay over for you. Can we get a glimpse of like you know what, what where you turn to next? What have you been thinking about? What you'd love to cover, or are you just going to take a moment to 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 savor this uh, to the you know what you've been doing? You know, uh, I I have I have projects uh, you know in in the works and uh, um, and uh, you know and I'm and I'm working. Uh, you know, on those, um, I haven't uh, I haven't turned my full attention to them yet because uh, uh, I'm still in the 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 throes of of um, you know of of managing and uh, and doing press for this. But um, you know, I have three different things that I'm working on, and you know, uh, you'll start to see that work over the next. Uh, Next couple of years, uh, next year probably, um, and uh, you know, just always trying to, to you know, focus focus onwards. And just finally, have you heard from Hatish? Have you heard, like, is she okay? Sure, I keep in wonderful contact with her. 
uh, and, uh, and she's doing well. Uh, she's done a lot of press for us around the film. Um, and she's really, really happy uh, with the film. And, um, you know, uh, we've had a really long journey together. And I, uh, uh, I, I consider her at this point, uh, you know, like a, like a sister to me. And, uh, and I speak to Omar uh, a lot as well. And, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, he's doing well. He's feeling encouraged. Um, you know, by, by the work that we're doing and what's happened. And, and um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, these people will, will be in my, my life, I, I think, uh, and I hope for a very long time to come. Thank you, Brian, so much. It was an absolute pleasure. And I wish you two out of two for academies, I, I do hope. Well, that's not gonna happen. They didn't even uh, put us on the, uh, uh, on the short list of the 15 films, go figure. Are you serious? Yeah, we're on the BAFTA uh, long list, so uh, the awards energy is being put on the BAFTA now. Was that politically motivated? Couldn't tell you. No idea. Well, I'll tell everyone I know, and I hope you win a BAFTA. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Ari. You've been listening to the 52 Insights podcast. I'm Ari Stein. Thanks to Portico Quartet for their track Endless and thanks to Joel Stein of Glass Maps for producing this podcast. Sign up to the 52 Insights newsletter and subscribe to my podcast channel to get access to my latest interviews with extraordinary people.